Good afternoon and welcome to EHR Hosting Strategies, exploring the pros and cons of new options, a health system CIO Media Inc. production sponsored by Hewlett Packard Enterprise and Intel. Just a little housekeeping before we get started. My name is Anthony Guerra. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Health System CIO, and I will be your moderator today. We're looking forward to your participation. A um, couple of ways you can do that. You can send in your questions and comments in the Q&A box. Those are welcome at any time. We'll take those later in the program, and we're going to do a little poll later in the event, and we will have our panelists guess at the results before we reveal them. So that should be fun. A uh, nice way to view the screen today, you click on the top center, get it in side-by-side -side mode. Then you can adjust the divider to get the slides and the video boxes the size you want. And where it says speak, it should say speaker view in the top right-hand corner. Just so you see how we're going to spend our time today, we're going to about 35 to 40 minutes with our main panel featuring Jim Brady, VP Information Security and Infrastructure and CISO with Fairview Health Services. Corey Hudson, Director of Information Systems with Singing River Health Systems, and Evar's AppSite, Healthcare Practice Manager with HPE. So let's jump right into the discussion. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one today. Um, Jim, let's start with you. Can you give me an overview of your organization and your role? Yes. Uh, hi, everybody, welcome, and welcome to the event. Um, I'm currently, as uh, Anthony said, the uh, CISO and the VP of Infrastructure and Security. The organization did an interesting thing. They they merged infrastructure, that VP role and the security role into one. So I've got a really great opportunity to to bring the infrastructure group and security together and get more stuff done. Um, Fairview um, Health Services is part of uh, what we call M Health Fairview, which is a, a partnership between University of Minnesota Medical School, University of Minnesota, uh, the University of Minnesota Physician Group, and then Fairview Health. Uh, system, which actually merged with HealthEast system. So we actually are two health systems, Fairview and HealthEast, so we go by the name of Fairview. And we're doing a big EHR um, merging uh, between the two instances, and so we'll talk more about that, I think, as we go through the program here. And we've got about uh, 12 hospitals, 56 primary care clinics, 36 pharmacies, serving primarily the Minneapolis metro, metropolitan area. Um, and about a $6 billion revenue um, and about 38,000 employees. So happy to be on the, uh, on the program and looking forward to a great discussion. Excellent. Thank you, Jim. Corey? Uh, yes. Welcome, everyone. Uh, I'm Corey Hudson. I'm the Director of uh, Information Systems here at Senior River Health System. Uh, we're now a three-hospital health system uh, over two counties in southern Mississippi, uh, right here on the beautiful Gulf Coast. Um, we've got two major outpatient centers, probably about 50 clinics across the coast, and um, about $2 billion in revenue. Uh, we have 3,000 employees, and uh, uh, my role is over all IT, so applications and infrastructure, security, and uh, uh, again, glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Corey Ivers? Yes, hello, my name is Ivor Zapsite. I'm a healthcare practice manager working on the HP healthcare team. Uh, what I primarily do is I obviously interact with uh, a lot of customers and position our solutions to those customers. I also manage the uh, HP Epic systems relationship. 
And that's partials due because uh, I actually was in you know, uh, Jim's and Corey's uh, role uh, for about nine years where I worked at a health system where we used um, Epic as our EHR. And I moved through the ranks of a manager into senior leadership up at that health system. So I now speak to uh, both sides of the fence, if you will. So in this topic specifically is one um, <clears throat> of great interest, uh, not to me, but uh, obviously our team. Very good, Ivers. Thank you very much. All right, Corey, we're going to start with you. Where is your EHR hosted today? What do you like about it? And what would you change? So our EHR is not hosted. It's something that we've investigated uh, many times over the last uh, eight years now that we've been on Epic. And um, uh, given the size of our organization, um, we could not justify, and we'll certainly go into some more details, I think, as we talk through this uh, today. Um, hard to justify, uh, I think, some of the added expenditure given the size of our organization. Uh, would I like that to change? Um, I think if the cost structure would come down, I think it would be, you know, I think advantageous. But uh, as of today, we're not hosted. Very good. Jim? Yeah. Um... So we're on-premise also at, at uh, Fairview, and I mentioned the two EHRs, so both of those are on-premise. Um, and I do want to quickly mention that I my previous role was uh, CIO at L.A. County Department of Health Services, so we had Cerner hosted. Uh, prior to that, I was um, at Kaiser Permanente as a CIO, and we uh, were on-premise with Epic. Cedars-Sinai on-premise uh, there also with Epic. And then we hosted Siemens Sorian, which is now under Cerner uh, when I worked at uh, as a CISO and a CTO at uh, White House System. So, so, um, so I've got a little bit of both uh, experience from both worlds there for hosted and um, non-hosted. What I, what I like about being um, what's um, on premise, uh, obviously performance and latency is good. Um, you know, that's kind of what the cloud providers are in a private or public are trying to sh are shooting for. Um, you, you, it's the, the technology and the security to support that is kind of known by the IT staff. So it's, it's, I think when you go to cloud, it becomes a little bit, um, a little bit fuzzier. And so there's not a comfort level there. Uh, you have a lot, uh, if you have control over your analysts and you're doing everything on, on, on-prem, uh, let's say the resources, uh, rather than having the EHR hosting vendor, um, manage that, then you have a lot more control over, the build, the configuration. And, and so I think it engages the staff a lot more once you start outsourcing that to remote hosting. Um, you know, the, you, you, you lose control. And so it, uh, it, it can have kind of unintended consequences. Now, what I think I would like to change, uh, you know, definitely knowing that we're moving more towards a cloud and uh, architecture, it's just way too expensive uh, to, you know, we're, we have about a, uh, we have, about uh, 1,200 servers just in the production, and then another 1,200 servers, um, you know, just for backup and recovery. So, so that's a lot of money. That's very expensive. So, if there's a way to cut into that and just spin up that backup, uh, you know, DR when you need it. So, you know, how can we cut the cost? I think that's we got to deal with something like that. Um, um, and then one other thing, real quick, I want to mention is. Um, uh, what I what what we do in healthcare, and I think there was a survey that went out that found that uh, most of the most of the downtimes, I think, with uh, uh, eighty five percent of Epic downtimes, are as a result of the customer 
trying to troubleshoot the issue rather than just failing over to their DR backup. So there's a, you know, we have certain practices and methods where we like to get in and fix things and that causes a lot of downtime to our clinicians. So, so I think, you know, if we could move to the, uh, as we move to the cloud and change that paradigm, I think that'll, it'll ultimately improve the, uh, you know, the, the clinical end user experience. So what so. You, you're saying today, you, you don't like the cost structure of what you're currently doing? Uh, no, because it's it's uh, very expensive. I have to basically duplicate duplicate my infrastructure for Epic, and that's you know that's over a thousand servers that are just sitting there, in the event that we you know need to go to DR. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, so to not have that, uh, you know, this would be something would be great. That's a lot of money. Right. Of course, there's challenges with you know which we can talk about more on. How do you get the cloud providers either public? or or private to you know meet the minimum requirements of Epic, Cerner, um, you know Meditech. I mean, they're right now they're we're not quite there yet, so we we can probably start running DR uh, DR in the cloud. Um, so this if you uh, as far as public cloud and uh, if you do the uh, on-prem hyper-converged private cloud, then obviously you kind of don't have to worry about that because it's right there, you know, fast. It's running locally, uh, so just some challenges. Ivers, your thoughts? Well, the thoughts is, I mean, I like what Jim was actually speaking to. He's actually speaking to some of the initiatives that we're hearing from many other customers is that they're concerned about not only the uh, the burdening costs. I mean, it's, it seems to get larger and Epic itself keeps getting larger. Uh, and you got to, you know, keep somehow figure out how to fund that because you got to keep, you know, keep everything up to speed, up to date and on Epic's target platform. And, you know, Corey, interesting that um, you also spoke to, you know, why on-prem really, you know, makes sense for you guys, especially with a, you know, a three hospital system. What I like to add though is, is the whole like purpose of this discussion is, you know, moving to service related approaches. You know, in other words, you know, what makes sense, you know, Jim, you mentioned disaster recovery and there are disaster recovery as a service is now being offered. And this is an intriguing parameter as, as health systems now start wrestling with the cost structure, but also services and then how they're managing, you know, the data sovereignty, data governance, all of that component, while yet also wanting to leverage new technologies that provide it as a service. So I'm very interested in how this conversation is going to evolve today. So back to you, Anthony. Corey, any thoughts on what uh, ever said? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, there's a dichotomy there where you start to talk about backups or disaster recovery as a service versus, you know, hosting your EHR, your production environment uh, for everyday use, like Jim was talking about. So, um, you know, when we've looked at, you know, purchasing compute uh, from Microsoft or AWS or any number of data centers, you know, you've got to take into account your, your know, uh, redundant circuits that have to be purchased to go to that data center. Uh, you have to talk about, you know, storage and, and, you know, processing power. You have to meet, you know, minimum requirements. Now, you know, our EMR vendor uh, offers a hosting service, but they will only host the EMR. They won't host, you know, our other applications. And, you know, we're managing about five or 600 servers ourselves. Uh, and so in a redundant infrastructure, 
we potentially could, you know, I think, uh, you know, benefit from some cost savings with uh, disaster recovery as a service. But once you scale your data centers, then, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think you you end up having enough capacity to to do disaster recovery, especially when you have multi locations and you can build out, um, you know, multiple data centers, depending on geographic area and distance between sites. Yeah, if I could just add real quick to Corey, your comment. So I think ideally, we ultimately would like to get out of the data center business, because as long as you have some stuff in the data center, you still have to pay for all that big iron, you know, power cooling. So it's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's, I think that's really important. And then another thing to think about also is, is if you're getting something that's more of a, like, software as a service, EHR as a service, I think we'll, we may talk about that. You, you're, you know, and we are moving towards a standard build, you know, where we had in the early days, EHRs were super customized. Now they're, you know, people are accepting more of the standard build and workflow. Then you get the, you get the benefit of getting the latest and greatest. And uh, you don't have to keep pouring in more staff and resources to build, to build that and to support it. So I think being, you know, you know, if you're a small, medium organization, to be able to stay up on the, you know, on the, have the most features, the clinicians are going to, you know, that, that are working reliably, they're going to appreciate it. I think if you're larger, the concern is you, you drag around a lot of balls and chains of just, you know, older legacy functionality. It's so hard to, I mean, uh, as I, as I work at Kaiser Permanente, that's a huge organization, 600 clinics. 39 hospitals, it would take us literally three, four years to just kind of get to all the facilities for, you know, like uh, infrastructure updates and things. So, mm -hmm. so there's a lot to be said with being able to have somebody do something really well. And then we focus on healthcare. And so I think the, uh, you know, I think our topic here on private cloud, public cloud, um, I think in hosting is we're, we're in a transition. There's a process, you know, we have to get to it and <clears throat> different ones of us, depending on our specific situation, you know, maybe size might be one criteria. We're going to take different first steps. And I think taking that first step is important because we got to kick the tires. We got to, we got to move in that direction, you know. Sorry, it was uh, just real quick that it also depends on the part of the country you're in too. So um, we've noticed we've got a couple of applications that are actually hosted outside of our organization. And internet connection is is an issue. And there was an issue in our region where, uh, and we're on, on AT&T here, where there, were, there was an outage in our like multi-state area. And so uh, if we were to go, I think it was uh, four hours that it was out. If we were down for four hours, it would be devastating. I, I totally agree. And just to add to uh, yeah, actually both the comments, you know, there is a lot of interest in how to leverage, uh, you know, the newer capabilities of a cloud and where, you know, HPE and I know our competitors are even looking at us, how do we help with that in, you know, from HPE, you know, we, we got some questions coming on. I'll be very interested in, uh, you know, Jim, you already mentioned the hybrid private cloud and how that might really play in that as a strategy to enable or facilitate those cloud adoptions. I didn't say cloud migrations, that's the cloud mi adoptions, cloud integrations, because I really believe that's where the industry is going to go. You're gonna still maintain apps on-prem as you, you know, spoke to Corey, but at the same time leverage 
cloud-like experiences that are both on-prem and in the cloud. So um, I don't want to take some of the thunder here away from you, Anthony, but I think that's where I'm really interested in getting feedback from both you, Corey and Jim. All right. We'll, we'll make sure we get there. We'll make sure we get there. Jim, I'm going to start with you on the next question. What are your thoughts on the viability of on-prem private cloud as an EHR hosting strategy? Okay. Yeah, so my thoughts on that is uh, <clears throat> I think it's um, I think it's a viable first step for um, certain organizations. You know, maybe like if Corey mentioned, if you're uh, rural um, and you don't have the connectivity, I know we, we're lo all looking upwards to the clouds for SpaceX and Blue Origins to solve all of our problems with <laughs> satellite, you know, Internet connectivity. And, you know, probably will happen. I heard it's actually going to get down to as low as 15 millisecond uh you know, it's not going to be enough for running an EHR, but so um, I think it's definitely a good step. I think it's a good step for organizations that just really haven't even thought about the cloud and they, you know, and uh, maybe culturally they're not open to like just immediately throwing everything into GCP or AWS or Azure. Um, um, and I think there's a lot of great things that's, you know, gives you the flexibility. I mean, to be able to just keep that same experience, that same, what they call control plane, you know, like if you did something like VMware on AWS, you're just taking all of your VMware infrastructure without going to um, e, uh, EC2 and S3 and just, you know, having to learn cloud, you just, you can just take it and run it on, you know, uh, in this case, AWS. So I think there's that familiarity that's helpful. <clears throat> to be able to do the charge-based consumption, I think that's great. You know, because um, I haven't explored myself the actual cost of, you know, like what, how much would I save if I ran it uh, on-prem private cloud versus I just kind of did my own infrastructure versus I did in, in the, you know, let's just say I went to one of the larger cloud providers. Um, and uh, yeah, and then there, there are, from what I'm told, Ivers, I, I, I know you're the expert in this, but there are options for the financial fiddling where you can say, I want this to be capitalized and I want that to be OPEXed. And so you can kind of like massage it a little bit. So there's flexibility. And I know that's important because sometimes there's OPEX, sometimes there's CAPEX and some organizations, they want you to put licensing under CAPEX. Others, other times they want you to do that um, in other organizations that goes under, um, what it goes under the, way the opposite one. So I think that, uh, um, I think that, for large organizations, um, I think uh, this is kind of what's going on with us is we're, you know, we're looking at that, but we're also looking at, you know, what's the, what is the long-term road, roadmap of viability for a full cloud deployment on a major cloud provider? And is that doable? Right now, it's not doable um, for Epic, uh, uh, although I think that uh, they're, they're working really hard and coming pretty quick on that. So I think, you know, the next year or so, we might see uh, some prod instances actually on the cloud from based on conversations I had. Uh, certainly, as we talked about, DR is, and this is public cloud. So I think that um, to answer your question, Anthony, I think private cloud is a is definitely a, is a, 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 a viable option as a, a first step. And that's in health systems. You know, we like to rush in and do things at high risk, right? Yeah. So you know, we're, so. we're not necessarily, you know high-risk people. So I think it's, it's good. It's, uh, it's a great place to start um, and it should be explored. Uh, you know, if you're not looking at it, my encouragement is to at least look at it. Corey? Yes. I, I mean, I think there's some viability to, to on-prem private cloud. Uh, certainly, I think, you know, it, there's probably a niche for certain types of organizations. You know, the larger the organization, the more you can scale up. Um, 
uh, and even, you know, some of the major players in the cloud business, you know, you, you, you could probably, uh, you know, gain economies of scale there. Um, mid-sized organization like ours, uh, you know, um, I, I, again, I think it's viable economically, but um, given, I think, some of the challenges, the challenges that we face, depending, again, like I said, where, where you're located, um, I think offer different types of challenges. And, and certainly, um, you know, and I think it's in the mid-sized space because I think the smaller you are, the more you might pay for, you know, these as services uh, like Avers was, was referring to earlier. So um, um, a lot of smaller organizations aren't using as much technology to, to in, in their facilities, especially like federally qualified healthcare facilities. Um, you know, they're running an EHR, you know, they may have some medical devices, but they're not very big. And so, um, you know, cloud as a service, I think, is, is very viable. Hey, can I just add something really quick to Corey, what you said? So I, um, I know that there's, uh, there's a lot of organizations that are just not doing anything in this space public cloud, private cloud, they're just kind of waiting around for to read more stories in health system CIO and <laughs> watch webinars about what's going on. <clears throat> so I think there's a great opportunity um, if there's um, that many people just kind of, you know, hanging around to go out proactively and get those conversations. And this would be to Ivers and those that, you know, that would, would have that kind of a uh, model because you're getting, uh, because there's, uh, you know, very few people that are moving actively in this direction. I know that I was talking to AWS and there's one client in North, in New York City that's got, you know, all their disaster recovery on the cloud now. And they're thinking next year early about going um, to on the prod side when they can get all the hardware and everything working. <clears throat> uh, so, but, you know, those are just a few of the front runners. So there's a big opportunity um, to talk and bring this thing, bring this conversation up. And it might be, I think it's a great help first step and eventually you know at some point i know that the hyperconverged, um you know superdome hp green lake solution does tie into all the other cloud providers so i think we'll all be one giant integrated matrix fabric at some point but i think that because people aren't actively on the edge even looking seriously about it then it's a great i think there's an opportunity to have those conversations you know, and then rather than just wait for them to come to you, wait for customers on the healthcare provider side to come to you, you know, which I know that you're going to do, you guys are going to do that. So. Uh -huh. One giant integrated matrix fabric. That sounded very sci-fi. <laughs> well, it's the, you know, Blue Origin, SpaceX, you know, maybe uh, if Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk you know, adopts that, well, it'll get a little bit more socialized. Very good. Ivers? Well, what's interesting, Jim, is uh, you've hit upon really the my next step is education, you know, and when we like approach Anthony, you went, hey, this is an interesting topic. Let's talk about it more. It This topic really isn't being discussed even among peers. I mean, uh, we did a chime uh, survey, which I'm probably not supposed to say that. But anyways, we did a survey. <laughs> That's OK. <laughs> and um, had interesting results on uh, uh, from that survey. Basically, just literally, they all smack on what both Jim and Carrie you're hitting on. And this topic just isn't really talked about. And we're, yeah, we, we have, uh, I'm not making this a sales pitch, but we have solutions that we feel are very apropos uh, and very uh, essential for healthcare IT to at least consider and adopt along these lines. And uh, another question I, I know Anthony's going to ask is back some along that even more. So 
uh, it's, it's just that we're starting these conversations. So uh, first of all, thank you for the platform, Anthony. And second of all, you know, Jim and Corey, thank you for just being transparent and starting these dialogues. Well, Ivers, let me ask you, uh, we've heard uh, Jim definitely talking about, and Corey as well, they, they seem to indicate that there might be a greater comfort level the smaller you are, or it's easier to do these things, make these transitions in the cloud, the smaller you are. And as you get larger and larger, it becomes more challenging or more um, not as not as appropriate. Uh, what are your thoughts there, Ivers? Do you see that as well, or, or do you sort of disagree on some level? Um, not necessarily disagree, um, but maybe expanding the perspective because we're seeing, at least from a consumption model, from the smallest to the very largest organizations uh, embrace it. Small organizations uh, say that they don't scale as much. The large organizations actually get it, but they're, uh, they're concerned about actually managing scale at an operational level even. So yeah, the CapEx OpEx discussions become real. But the actually, uh, it's a perspective issue. Our maybe, and this is a, you know, the opportunity to explain from at least a vendor perspective, the on-prem private cloud, at least from HP's perspective, is it's a your solution, but it's on-premises. But therefore, we deliver an on-prem solution, but it to you, it's a funded like a private cloud. It's a cloud-like experience on-premises. So the same way how you would maybe even position cloud funding for an application. The goal is to bring that to you on premise so you can start with that experience of not only paying what you only for what you use, but having the performance and the scalability that you'd expect out of the out of a cloud, but also on prem, being able to fund it appropriately, and then also bring in that management level, bring that oversight that allows you to provide that elasticity into the cloud when you're ready. Some move very quickly into cloud. Uh, services that provide things like the yeah, DR as a service and other backups. Others are much more cautious and slow. So we can actually enable that um, transition, if you will, that transformation at your speed, not at a actual cloud provider speed or, you know, like, you know, hyperscaler speed. They drive that. We work with you at your speed. That's the whole promise of an on-prem private cloud. And it isn't just EHR, it's also all of your application ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Did that help explain? I think so. And I, when we get to our co-panelist questions, I, I, uh, I'd be interested to see what Jim and Corey have for you uh, to learn more about what you're developing and what you're thinking. Get ready. Yeah. No, it's, it's very interesting. <clears throat> uh, you know, we're trying to figure out what, what people need and in what structure and what manner and what billing. And uh, there also seems to be an emotive experimenting and, and trying things yeah. out, considering things. So you have both sides trying to find that common ground. Uh, and maybe that's what we'll be able to do here today. Um, next question, Ivers, I want to start with you. Um, is the concept of EHR as a service a viable EHR hosting strategy? I'm guessing you're going to say yes to that? Um, uh, wholeheartedly. Yeah. But yet at the same time, you know, this is this is something new that we're uh, obviously not only experiencing but implementing as a solution. Mm -hmm. The reason where this concept is is obviously, you know, just look at Cerner. Cerner pretty much is fully hosted in their data centers. Epic 
offers actually two types of hosting. They offer their own hosting. Typically, it's the smaller, but there are some larger health systems within Epic's hosted service. But Epic also offers their Community Connect solution. So they can offer uh, you know, the ability for a large physician group or even a smaller hospital to leverage that health system's EHR implementation for their own. Okay, And then we run into some now competitive EHR as a service options out there. I'm not going to mention their competitors, but they are also offering. And so we're saying, you know, this is a viable solution because I think, Jim, you mentioned, you know, you're looking at that complexity matrix. You're looking at those resources you need to devote to supporting that organization. You know, well over a thousand servers. How can you do that better? And what the HR as a service to define that is a solution that promotes not only the infrastructure management capabilities, but the EHR technical platform management. So that becomes now bundled into a service where we help provide that ability to support that technology stack from the EHR technology stack down through the infrastructure. And then you still manage the actual application itself, the clinical workflows, all of the implementation, the configuration, such and so forth. And even if you want to get out of that, we can start talking to you about how that can be adapted. But again, let's baby steps. <laughs> let's first talk about how you'd even affect that transition. That's the EHR as a service. And then what those services entail. We're starting with the infrastructure and then the in the, so, for example, for Epic, it is the pure Epic technical stack. We provide the ODB certified resources for both Cache Iris and also for the uh, relational databases, the presentation tier stack, and then also, also the web tier and service server tiers. We'd also provide those resources that are certified and manage that for you. We have RACES already developed. The whole nine yards will be implemented as a cloud-like service, but it's all on-prem or in colos. And then we can start working with even the colo adjacencies of actually hyperscaler integrations with, uh, you know, like AWS or Azure, um, or probably for Epic, uh, more Azure related integrations at the cloud adjacency level. So a lot of words, but that it's hard to describe each other service in about four sentences. Corey, what are your thoughts? No, absolutely. I mean, there are hundreds of companies out there right now that offer, offer this level of service. Um, and to Aver's point, you know, it's not just about the infrastructure, you know, the, the data center and renting space, if you will. Um, you can certainly do that, but that's not EHR as a service, is it? So, um, you know, these vendors, they've got to have all the resources that Avers was referring to, you know, the technical staff, you know, you have, you have Epic Technical, uh, which, you know, manages the cache database and uh, hyperspace and, um, certainly then you need your, your network layer and, um, mm -hmm. uh, telecom layer support. Uh, so no, and, and there are tons of vendors that do this as well. So when we talked about on-prem, uh, private, you know, I guess I could consider myself in that space just because, you know, we also offer, uh, Epic as a, as a service, uh, in our community connect program, we've got about, uh, 40 plus uh, clinics, private that aren't, you know, part of Seam River Health System that use our instance of Epic, and uh, they pay us to, you know, provide the software, the service. You know, we upgrade it. Um, you know, we do all the the service level that you know Avers was referring to. So, 
Um, very viable and a lot of, lot of Epic customers are doing that. Um, I've talked to colleagues about other EMRs who are on, on you know, EHR as a service. Um, it kind of goes back to what Jim was talking about, you know, whether or not you're getting, um, uh, you know, that, that, you know, 15 milliseconds of, you know, um, you know, response time is, can be slow depending on, on the, the EMR that you're using. Uh, so those are the things that are, that are kind of the big challenges and, and the big concerns, but, um, definitely EHR as a service is, um, is, it's here today. It's, you know, it's viable because there are hundreds of vendors that offer this service. Uh, Jim? Yeah, so I, I think my answer is going to be <clears throat> slightly different. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so I think it kind of depends. I, I think my definition of uh, EHR as a service or EAAS, <laughs> nobody's <laughs> that, is really like the next, it's like IAS, infrastructure as a service, that's all the gear hardware then there's platform as a service and then function as a service that you know as we get to serverless computing then there's if you keep going up the stack then there's software as a service which really the ehr is a software offering um and so right now because at least with epic uh, okay let me just back up real quick so cerner as i think i ever mentioned you know they're a lot of their customers are remote hosted. I think 85% of all Cerner customers are remote hosted at this point, but that's just them using on-prem methodologies. Uh, um, and then they're, and they're managing basically the customer's data center for that, for their EHR. So, um, so I think a lot of people confuse remote hosting with, you know, um, <clears throat> cloud. Uh, so I think getting, getting back to the, uh, uh, EHR, uh, EHR as a service. That's in my mind. That's just a true cloud-based EHR. So that means it's got to be supported the whole stack in the cloud. And so right now, because of uh, latency issues and then with uh, global reference requirements, which I think they're, um, I know Epic has. I think you need about 13 or 15 million. And uh, they, uh, I know that right now there isn't the ability to run the full cache, inner systems cache database in a public cloud instance. But soon, I think, it's, you know, they're, they're, they are developing the technology to get this done with uh, faster CPUs and cores and things. So right now, you'd have to almost go with hyper-converged um, on-premise um, if, if you're going to actually be the one to kind of host it. So I guess I'm just speaking from the actual hosting, uh, you know, entity. So I think that... Um, you know, uh, but I, I, as I mentioned before, there's, um, you know, I think we're seeing the the large cloud providers. That's their where their core function is to drive down cost and really give you a scale, scalability and and um, avail, high availability with multiple regions and things. Those are the things that ultimately, at the end of the day, are going to probably be the lower cost. Uh, you know, I haven't done the math, but I'm just thinking that it's got to the those large economies of scale have got to drive down costs. So, is it possible to do that with private um, cloud to get that low and to drive that cost if we can meet all the minimum requirements on the technical side? And so, like I said, we're not there yet, but I, I guess I'm not thinking that. Um, and Ivers, you can go ahead and challenge me on that one, but I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know whether or not that it's possible to get the price point that low. And at the end of the day, if you can get the availability, you can get the performance, 
Uh, the round trip time, you know, it's, it's acceptable. I think hyperspace has to be seven milliseconds, and I know that uh, I know that a major cloud provider now can can do it in five milliseconds. And so, um, you know, people are going to probably end up going eventually to the lower cost option. So, um, and that, um, and just to correct something I said a second ago, when I said that uh, private uh, private cloud is a good step for small and medium. I think definitely large, you know, there's a lot of large systems that just, they have a hard time changing anything. And so getting something to get them to take a step forward would be, would be awesome. And so I think that there's a great opportunity with the large systems because it takes forever to get stuff done. We're not fully there yet with the large cloud providers. And so I think it's a great first step. So I, di- I didn't mean to just say it's only for the smaller, you know, medium organizations. Anyway, so I think that um, it is a viable strategy. Um, I think it's we're in the middle of an evolution right now, and it'd be really cool to see how it kind of pans out and when when will it fully you know materialize and we can get some momentum. Anthony, I want to add on uh, both, you know, Jim and Corey touched on uh, something that I think is still kind of deep rooted in the thinking and psyche of a lot of IT leaders. As soon as you mentioned private cloud, and in the context of EHR as a service, the premise seems to go, it's in the cloud. And at least from HP's perspective, our drive is, no, this is an on-prem solution. It's literally on your prem, it's in your data centers. Now, if you literally wanna say, okay, day one, I wanna move, I wanna get rid of my data centers, I'd ask you, how are you gonna do that? Because that isn't a overnight decision. That's at least a year, if not longer in transition planning. That's where the private cloud approach comes into play, but we deliver it on premise. And we can even then deliver the HR technology stack service also as a service. You know, it's it's turned over to us. So that's a point of uh, just a definition and then maybe absorbing that definition that we're also, that's why I said it's an educational process for us is to get the actual concept of private cloud within your data centers managed in a cloud-like manner that delivers not only the infrastructure, but then the EHR technology stack as a service. And that yeah, definitely comes in. We could that we, we actually even find that we can have price points that are very favorable because it's a consumption only model. And you know, you have resource sharing that we affect. And there's even ways that we can maybe transition your preferred technology resources into our into our uh, you know solution space because you know we can you know repatriate them and maybe offer them even more career path as this goes you can see where maybe some resources may not have careers in the future and we can get ahead of that curve by already offering them basically very promising careers in the future but for more of the service side all right. Well, I want to. We're going to go to a question. I know, Ivers, you were very curious about this, um, and oh, yeah. uh, it's a very important question. So, how does your health system fund your EHR hosting today, and might that change with a new EHR hosting strategy? Uh, Jim, let's start with you. Okay. Um, so I I went ahead and quizzed my colleagues uh, since I just I'm fairly new to the organization, so I don't know what uh, you know what our financial practices were since they kind of do differ. So uh, the EHR uh, uh, implementation was considered an organizational strategic project, and so we have a separate bucket of money outside of IT. It is capitalized. So basically, uh, our implementation for all the infrastructure, the implementation, 
the EPIC licensing uh, and our initial analyst costs, those are all ca- capitalized, um, and, and it came from an organizational kind of bucket of money. We didn't um, capitalize the PMs, though. Um, and then ongoing, our ongoing kind of uh, method is uh, any growth events for licensing, uh, any life cycle, those are all OPEX. Um, so that's um, so we, we cover that out of IT. Um, so, and then as far as the second part of the question, I don't, I don't know if it was, um, is it more or less costly or Anthony, can you? Ivers, you want to give them some color around the information you're curious yeah, about? Yeah, so obviously as you're considering a new HR strategy, you know, and hosting it, whether you do it on-prem or in the cloud or somewhere in between, you know, whether on-prem, private cloud, would you change your funding vehicles to pay for that new hosting strategy. And I'm and you're using hosting as far as, you know, running okay, either okay. Yeah, like I got it. Right. or running it in the cloud. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, first of all, money's a little tight right now <laughs> in general. So um, we're, you know, we're, we're challenged. We're, we're trying to address a certain short, shortfall. Uh, so we have a plan to do that. Uh, we, but, you know, what's awesome is the organization, the board of directors, executives, they, they understand that technology is, kind of like the spinal cord or the vertebrae of, you know, it's the core thing. So we need to make sure that we continue to keep that moving. Uh, but, it, uh, you know, whether we did hosting or not, any initial project you know, like that implementation, those licensing, um, if we switched over to, let's just say, you know, private cloud or else public cloud, it would all be capitalized uh, on the initial components. So that's kind of how we do it at Fairview. Corey? No, it's very similar for us too. You know, we're a, we're a not-for-profit um, a government entity actually. So there are rules to how we spend money and, um, uh, you know, licensing. So currently the way uh, we purchased our, our EHR um, a, nine years ago now, um, you know, there were licenses that had to be purchased and with the licenses, it wasn't just EHR licenses. It also had to do with whatever other infrastructure and technology you're going to implement with the solution. And so, you know, things like licenses is capitalized. Usually implementation can be capitalized. Uh, training, depending, uh, might be capitalized. A big project like this, um, you could even, um, uh, you could even capitalize, you know, contractors, consultants, what have you, labor, if you will. Um, but, uh, we don't, again, we don't externally host our EHR with anybody, with any vendor. And so ongoing support and maintenance, that's an OPEX. Um, how might that change with a new EHR hosting strategy? So, you know, when you think about solutions, you know, you either, you either own it, you know, and it's perpetual, uh, or you're paying like a subscription, uh, which is the SaaS model. Um, and so it, SAS model could, could change depending on, you know, how they structure the contract. But, um, I, I think of SAS as subscription and that's, that's typically OPEX, right? So, um, uh, our capital bucket is separate. It's institutional. It's, you know, we even have to, because of our board and we, we, uh, are owned by the county. Um, we've got to follow rules about 
um, how we develop our capital plan, how we execute on the capital plan. And we've got tight rules around, you know, we don't have just this bucket of nebulous money that we can do whatever we want with. We've got specific solutions tied to that money. And if we want to institute something different than what we put forth in the plan, then we've actually got to find substitutions, right? We don't, we don't have some catch-all bucket of, of money to spend. Um, and so on the flip side of capital is your operational budget. And most likely hosting uh, a hosting strategy is a service. Um, and that's the way, to me, that's the way I would view it. And any services would just have to be budgeted within an OPEX model. Um, and so, uh, you know, um, that's currently our strategy today. Ivers, does, uh, did that get to your, what you're wondering? What are, your, what are you thinking? Uh, what are your concerns here? When you're, what are you trying to figure out? They, that's, we, we hear that a lot. We hear the Cap, CapEx story. We hear the OPEX story with the licensing and, and the ongoing support. The transition between moving from a on-prem solution to a cloud solution invariably speaks to a divide between how do you move from CapEx to an OpEx model? Does that make sense to both of you, Jim and Corey? Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, it's just that any any project we would do of any scale, we're going to capitalize it. Uh, so, right. so the the migration, all that, all the stuff that's involved in going to, let's just say, to the cloud, whether it's public or private, would still be capitalized and still be a strategic project for us. It would be at the organizational level. It wouldn't come out of IT. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think we'd want to know what's the, what's the return on investment? What is the true right. savings? And we would be looking also at knowing, you know, that the other larger players are also gearing up for public cloud viability with some of the big EHR vendors. You know what does that look like, and do we need the interim step, or do can we just can we start working with the large public cloud providers? Yeah. So it's kind of looking at what's the what's going to give us the most cost savings, and then without interrupting patient care, uh, and you know. Um, so I think that's kind of what we're looking at at this point. Strategically, I would say, you know, it, it de- depends on the scope of the project. So. I mean, if it's a large institutional project like this would would inevitably be, um, there could be some capitalized components. But I can tell you, uh, going forward from year to year, budget-wise, would be an operational expense. Mm-hmm. It would be this thing where, uh, you know, we we might capitalize labor, contractors. Um, there could be some licensing, depending on you know who your host uh, hosting vendor is. But, um, you know, if we're truly buying a service from a vendor who's also going to support the EHR themselves, um, that's a service to us and that's an operational expense. And I I would end up budgeting for that annually, you know, multi-year, whatever in my strategic process. So you touched on the actual, you know, challenges themselves, but then the actual challenge that we're finding, at least the vendors, is health systems want to do that, but getting to all the right players to, you know, engage them in that financial discussion, because you, you, both, you both mentioned, you know, the actual CapEx funding comes outside of your IT department. That's actually typically your board level and CFO level discussion. You got banking covenants, you got, you know, fiduciary responsibilities that the board owns, if you will. Right. And, 
that's got to be the transition for a very large initiative. Uh, you know, basically your core EHR system is going to be, you know, held in a transition from a CapEx model eventually to some form of a hybrid CapEx OpEx or maybe eventually an OpEx model. How do those conversations start and how are those held? That's the challenge that we have because too many times we actually find, you know, the senior leaders kind of almost hide behind. Well, that's how we do it. That's just how we always done it. But yet the market's going to an OpEx model. How, do, how does that transition happen? Uh, Steve, Corey, you're smiling. Yeah, I mean, the process always starts with me. So uh, I'll tell you that strategically across the board, year to year, I am always looking to reduce costs. Everybody knows the challenges in healthcare. You're pressed on both sides, right? You're pressed by the payer. You're pressed by the vendors that you deal with. And so ultimately, it's hard for you to, it's very tricky to navigate that, that line. And so ultimately I end up doing, and it could, it could be a multi-year process where I've got to do some due diligence on figuring out all of my current costs today, you know, my depreciated assets in terms of, you know, uh, things I've already bought, things that have already are in place. What's the, what's the life cycle of those, those products? How do I, how am I going to transition all of this you know, because it's not just about the EHR, it's about everything also too that integrates with the EHR, that supports the EHR in terms of access and, uh, and you know, among other things, is, you know, what does that cost structure look like? What is it going to look like in, 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 in the cloud uh, with some of the vendor who's going to do most of this stuff? You know, I'm, I might end up reducing staff, right? I might end up not needing as many you know, Citrix licenses or cache licenses, or, you know, when we look at disaster recovery, that also could potentially uh, be diminuted. And so um, uh, I potentially, I mean, in my process, I will go through a multi-step kind of process to look at that total cost structure. Um, because to me, the, the benefit to going to host would need to lower my costs. I agree. And if, and if I can present that to the board, as great and large of a project as that's going to be, I would outline that, I would present it as a strategic, in our strategic process, planning process, and uh, ultimately it would get approved through, you know, our IT steering committee, our board governance, um, you know, and if there's significant benefit to doing that, it would get approved. All right, listen, I want to get in a, an audience question. We're running out of time today, but uh, let's see if, uh, Ivers, let's throw this one to you. You might have the detail on this. What do most midsize enterprises do that have ECW, eClinicalWorks, self-hosting or cloud hosting? In terms of costs, where do they stand comparatively to Cerner and Epic? Do you have any ideas on that, Ivers? That's really going to be a harder question to answer. However, in my experience with the, uh, the small to medium-sized sales that use basically their contract for those EHRs, we find that they've already, they're, most of them have already moved to an operational model. And how that compares to an EHR on-prem or, not, or, or a cloud-hosted solution, um, I'm going to say that it depends on their scale. If they scale if they find themselves growing aggressively, you know, 15, 20% over a year, there's definitely a compelling need for maybe looking at that service as non-prem because again, you're, you're adopting a consumption model. 
you're not forecasting your consumption three, four, or five years down the road. But if you find your growth very static and your current expenses pretty static, um, yeah, that's where maybe the play doesn't happen as much. So that's an interesting question. That does take some time to actually sit down with the customer and talk it through. Um, Corey or Jim, any thoughts on that question? Yeah, I don't have any input on nothing on that. Corey? So prior to the HR we have today, um, we had multiple practices. We had different EHRs and different service lines, but we did have ECW in um, primary care, neurology, and I think one other specialty. And uh, I'm not familiar with ECW in terms of whether or not they offer a hospital solution, maybe in the small, small market. Um, but it's comparing to the, the big two, um, ECW is very economic. Um, mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to. So, yeah, it's very low cost. Um, you can you can either I, I don't know that ECW hosts. They may host themselves. But I've run into many vendors who actually support ECW outside of, of ECW, the company, um, as a service, you know, in a, in a private cloud or, or, yeah, you know, and they offer that as a service. And it's usually much less expensive than, than the big two. All right. We're almost out of time. Ivers, I want to give you a, a brief opportunity to give a final thought to um, our listeners today. Uh, what's a message you want to leave them with? A message I want to leave them with. Well, first of all, you know, thank you for sharing, you know, some of your actual strategies and, and, and thoughts on the this newer thinking. And the thought I'd like to leave you with is, as you consider, you know, your next um, uh, path or the path forward of how you're going to host your EHR and where you're going to host it, is maybe you know, adopt a um, partnership approach and be open to maybe newer approaches to how, you know, a private cloud or how a um, on-prem solution can be leveraged in a cloud-like manner uh, that may or may not involve, you know, a variety of EHR um, augmented services that, you know, the, a vendor could deliver. Partnering with you to, you know, help lower your costs and yet enable you to transition to a more ubiquitously supported EHR model that incorporates not only EHR, but also all of your applications. Excellent. Well, that's about all we had time for today regarding continuing education. You could use the final slide in this deck. You'll get an email when the on-demand recording of this incredible event, if I must say so, is ready for viewing. If you want to sponsor an event with us, you can reach out to Nancy Wilcox from our team and you can go to our website to register for upcoming events. With that, I want to thank our panel, Jim Brady, Corey Hudson, and Ivers AppSite. And I want to thank our sponsors, HPE and Intel. And I want to thank you, our attendees, for coming to our events. And with that, everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you.